You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, we're here, man. Today is the day the vets show up. Tomorrow, training camp day. So it is real. It's the real deal. I'm so happy, but I'm also just like, all right, let's just, can you know... Can we just please, please, please do it? I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, but I also don't want any more days without it. So if we could just, if we could just skip ahead, that'd be great. And it, it's hard too because it's, it's exciting because it's like, yes, it's finally time. We finally got something, and there, there's this feeling or expectation, at least in, in, in me, to be like, all right, let's, let's bring the fire now. And it's like, well, I don't have any fire because there's still nothing going on. So we're still. Still kind of giving the old, the old off-season content stuff <laughs> here. But we should probably start with the, um, the only news that I'm aware of today. The shareholder meeting took place uh, yesterday. Nothing necessarily earth-shattering. I guess the uh, total now is 539,000 total Packers shareholders. Uh, talking about the NFL draft, he's saying, fingers crossed for 2025 or 2027 is when he's expecting the draft to be, and since that's so far out, I guess we don't really need to worry about it. Since 2011, the Packers have spent $468 million on Lambeau Field projects, some of those because of the stock sale, but that's that's a lot of money for renovations and whatnot. Um, he did comment on the A.J. Dillon thing, and I'm assuming you guys saw the video of the cop shoving A.J. Dillon uh, basically just said that it was unfortunate and there's um, an investigation into the situation. If you didn't hear, it's nothing super crazy or anything. It's just a cop for some reason felt the need to shove A.J. Dillon after he was proved wrong because he's, I don't know, unbelievably prideful, I guess. And while the uh, stadium is not going to change its name, apparently the gates are for sale because the Shopco gate is now the Invisalign gate, which is super stupid, but... I guess if you don't go there, you don't have to care. Otherwise, um, he did talk about Devontae Adams saying, that, you know, he fully expects someday he'll come back and be a member of the Packers Hall of Fame, which is great. It's, it's expected, but great. It's just good to hear anyways. He talked briefly about Leroy Butler and how the Packers are, um, I believe, at 28 Hall of Famers and closing in on the Chicago Bears 30. So uh, just another thing we're going to take from the Bears, so that's great. And then the other two things, he refused to comment on... Um, whether or not Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst got any contract extensions, but he said that um, they are both going to be here for a very long time. So basically it's probably done, and if it's not, they're planning on getting it done. Everybody seems to be very upset that they're not announcing it, but, you know, whatever. His big line of the day, apparently some people were upset about the lack of noon games. 
And I'll be honest, I love me a noon game, man. There's nothing better than that. I guess that's not true. The afternoon games are kind of nice. Late games are rough. But anyways, I do dig the noon games. Um, But as Murphy rightly pointed out, if you play a bunch of noon games, your team kind of sucks. So be glad that there aren't a bunch of them. Um, Some other news. This is breaking as of one minute ago, at least from the time I'm recording this. All-pro linebacker Roquan Smith will not be participating in training camp when veterans report tomorrow, sources say. Because of his contract situation, Smith has not yet received an offer he would remotely consider, thus he'll wait. Man, things just keep going from bad to worse. You know, I mentioned how the Bears' second-rounder Brisker is not showing up because of his contract situation. I got news here about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, They had two uh, players in the same boat as far as having second-rounders that we're not signing as a result of the, the situation we've been talking about for several days. Well, they got the deal done. Second-round pick cornerback Andrew Booth gets a four-year, $8.31 million contract. Um, Who's the other guy? Uh, Ed Ingram is the other second-round pick. So they got inked. They got the deal done. They're showing up to camp. They're getting fired up. They're ready to go. It's just every single step of the way. You know, I'm, I'm writing an article right now, um, probably be out by the time this podcast gets to you, on the Substack about the Chicago Bears and breaking down their roster. And you know, the more I look at it, I'm, I'm talking myself into being more optimistic because I'm trying not to be as biased when I do the actual breakdown because I want it to be less sensationalized, more whatever. But it's, it's like, you know, I, I could talk myself into this, I could talk myself into that, but man, it's just like a minefield. Every time you take a step, it just blows up in your face. And so you try to get excited about Brisker, and it's like, well, he's not there. And then you get excited about uh, Quinn, and it's like, yeah, he might not be coming back. He's kind of upset. And it's like, all right, well, what about Roquan? Yeah, he's, he ain't playing either. And the wording of it is staggering. This is via Ian Rappaport. Smith has not yet received, uh, has not yet received an offer he would remotely consider. Something else that's out there right now, there's a, a rendering for the new Chicago Bears stadium, at least Mayor Lori Lightfoot. There's, there's this big back and forth with the Chicago Bears. Are they going to stay in Chicago? Or are they going to move to, I think it's Arlington Heights? Um, and apparently she put out a rendering. Um, I mean, she obviously paid somebody, but a rendering for a new stadium. And I, I tell you what, man, I'm all for history. Like, I get it. It's cool and all. Um, and I definitely don't want Green Bay messed with. But, dude, these new stadiums are sweet. <laughs> it's... It's like I, I I don't I don't go to games all that much. Obviously, We've talked about that, and I definitely don't ever want to go to Chicago for any reason. But I would be so tempted. It just looks awesome, man. They build it so that you got like the city skyline in the background, all glass dome. And I get it, like it shouldn't be a dome. It's blah blah blah. You know, same thing with Minnesota. Like, don't build a dome, but then you do it, and obviously the new stadiums are all built to be, end up being like really loud, which is very important. I don't know. I, I think it looks pretty crazy. I'll be that one guy that's like, yeah, you should just do it. I know history, you know, I'm sorry, I suck. I'm a loser. I'm an idiot. Just do it. All right. It looks awesome. The alternate jerseys, on the other hand, that the Bears came out with <laughs> looks stupid. It's just all orange. It's funny too, because all these teams are coming out with these alternate jerseys. The Panthers, the the Cardinals came out with them. The the formula is obvious here. Just go all black. It looks awesome, and everybody's going to love it. That's basically all these teams are doing. They'll just aside from the Giants, they're going throwback to like the '80s, '90s, and those look dope too. But but just just go all black, man. You know, with some orange mixing. Orange and black looks sweet, and it's basically your jersey anyway. It's it's a dark blue. It's it's a it's a light black. I don't know. It's who cares. But it's simple, and everybody loves. Everybody looks at the Panthers like it's the crazy. It's the greatest, most innovative thing. It's all black. It's just black. That's what it is. It's just black. Cardinals, wow, how did they do it? It's, it's black. That's how they did it. 
It's just all black. What do the Bears do? Stew pure orange. And then everyone just makes fun of them because they're stupid. Stadium looks sweet, though. Just looking at a, 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 I got all the stuff laid out. The Commanders did the exact same thing, all black with a yellow W on it. The Bengals went all white with black stripes. Looks stupid. Dallas is like white with blue stripes. Looks stupid. Eagles, like jet black with a wing. Looks sweet. Jets, jet black with a jet. It looks awesome. Saints went black. Panthers all black. Texans went like a reddish orange. Looks stupid. It's a very simple formula, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and as of uh, 20 minutes ago, I see here, um, Murphy, a league source, did confirm that LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and Russ Ball all did get contract extensions. So, hey, big round of applause. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I, I like doing the podcast during, like, peak news hours. This is a great, this is a great thing. It just keeps coming in. <laughs> Apparently, um, again, th- this whole thing is super heated, right? Uh, the, the, the Bears are going to Lightfoot, and they're like, we're leaving. And she's like, no, you're not. You're stupid. Well, then they go buy land in Arlington Heights and it gets serious. And she's like, all right, all right, look, let's, let's, all right, let's go get a rendering and here's what we can have. And it's going to be sweet. Like, please, like she's playing hardball, but it's still like a please don't leave. Well, now she (laughs) comes out with a statement and says the Bears fans won't follow them to Arlington Heights. Like they move down the street and Bears fans are like, eh, too hard. I never liked this team anyways. (laughs) Oh, everything about the Bears is so stupid. You, your owner is trash. Your mayor is the worst. Your stadium, your team, your linebacker doesn't want to be there. Your, your best edge rusher is like, I don't want to go there. Everybody, Allen Robinson was like, please get me out of here. That's why he's gone. Akeem Hicks was begging to get out of there. That's why he's gone. Roquan is gone. I mean, he's not officially gone, gone. Neither is, is uh, Robert Quinn, but it's like, Everybody is just dying to get out of there. It is such an absolute disaster. You know what I want? I want Justin Fields to go somewhere else and be successful so I can, so I can root for the guy. Because I like Fields. I liked him in college. He's, he's a you know talented young guy. He shouldn't have to suffer in Chicago in this disaster. Nobody should. It, sh- it should, be like, should be like Siberia, you know? It's just where we send everybody we don't like. Although some of the better players are the guys that we don't like, so maybe that's not a good idea. But something along those lines. It's like a punishment. You have to go there. If if you do something wrong, you don't sit out. You go to Chicago and play. (laughs) Imagine being the the mayor of Chicago and saying that your fans will not follow you to Arlington Heights. Like, this is your city. Bears fans are Chicago Bears fans, and you're just like, nah. They don't actually like the Bears. They just want to be in Chicago. Like, dude, I don't know. Everybody's an idiot. Uh, There was a quote. I'm not going to play it because there's a lot more words than are necessary. But um, Ian Rappaport was on with Pat McAfee, and they were talking about the David Bakhtiari situation. And and he was saying, he doesn't know, but he was saying it's entirely possible that because they're so cautious and overly cautious with David Bakhtiari, perhaps being put on the pup list is further precaution and... They are going to leave him on there until they get a chance to get him in, get in the building, work him out a little bit, and make sure that he holds up okay. I don't understand why you would need to put him on the pup list to do that. Couldn't you do that anyways? Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I guess I don't really understand it, but I'll accept it because I want to believe it that you know he's 100% fine, but the Packers just aren't sure, and until they're sure, and they'll find out eventually that he's 100%, then they'll take him off, and he'll be off soon. Uh, presumably he's reporting today and will be uh, 
able to do something tomorrow with the training staff, and they'll see that he's great, and they'll take him off pup. Who knows? Maybe by uh, by this week or something. But it also doesn't really make sense from the standpoint of Matt Lafleur saying he's going to be good to go for training camp, and then they put him on pup. Unless this is a new plan, but. If your plan was, let's throw him up on the pup list and let him sit there for a while until we're sure, then don't tell me that the plan is for him to start right away and be good to go for training camp. You know what I mean? So all this is speculative on their part, and it just doesn't really check a lot of boxes. It's possible, but I mean, the the, the odds that this is anything other than um, crap, he's not where we thought he would be, we need to put him on pup, is is pretty pretty low. I hate to keep jumping back and forth, but... (laughs) The more I think about this Roquan thing, the happier I get. Either Roquan leaves, which is somewhat of a disaster for the Bears, d- despite the fact of, of me saying the guy's nowhere near as good as anybody says, it only gets worse from there. At least the guy could do some stuff. Like I said, he's an adequate coverage guy and is terrible against the run. At least he's adequate at something, right? He's fast and he can tackle real good and stuff. If they don't get it worked out with him, and I fully expect that they will, he's just gone and this team sucks even more. So Danny Trevathan is gone, Roquan Smith is gone, basically all their linebackers, all their corners, all the pass rushers, all the defensive tackles, everybody that they had from, you know, 2018, with the exception of Eddie Jackson, is pretty much gone. The entire squad. If they do work out a deal, you know for a fact that Roquan is saying, I want top linebacker money. And do you know what top linebacker money is? It's $20 million per year. Darius Leonard got $19.7 million per year with $52 million guaranteed. $20 million for a linebacker. <laughs> Yikes. And maybe he doesn't end up getting that, but I can't imagine he gets less than, you know, C.J. Mosley was 17. And even if he's not seen as being as good as Darius Leonard, I just don't know Roquan takes anything less. And that's usually the way these things go is um, you're going to pay me as though I'm a top linebacker or I'm not going to play. And we see all the time guys that are not necessarily the top get top money because it's just your turn. And if you're considered one of the top, you get top money. So we just get to sit back and wait for that to happen. In the meantime, they also still have to sign Brisker. So, they, I mean, they got $20 million sitting there. They got plenty of money to do it. On top of that, Roquan's cap hit right now is $9.7 million. So that could essentially even go down. So it's not even necessarily going to be a big hit this year. But just in general, $20 million a year for a linebacker. um, And then Roquan gets to stay forever and they have to pay a million dollars or (laughs) quite literally 20 million. It just everything about it makes me happy. Do it. Don't do it. It's a win either way for us. All right. What other kind of NFL news we got here? Uh, Leroy Butler, I mentioned there's a video out there of him getting his gold jacket. That's definitely worth checking out. The Detroit Lions listed off a couple of their uh, guys that were added to the pup list. They've got a fairly extensive list also, but um, part of that news that's kind of interesting is that two of their top three draft picks are actually on this list, Jamison Williams and Josh Paschal. Um, They are currently on pup right now. The Jamison Williams is not all that surprising. He kind of knew coming in that he was, had some injury issues, but Josh Paschal, I do believe, is a bit of a surprise. On top of the fact that obviously there's hope that Jamison Williams would be able to be back by now, but it doesn't seem that that is going to be the case. Who knows how long that's going to take to kind of get revved up, but a um, little bit of a blip in the radar on the big uh, rebound for the Detroit Lions. And breaking news, <laughs> just keeps happening. Um, this via, via Deanna Rossini, um, apparently David Bakhtiari was feeling good, ready to start training camp, but had a setback during his rehab that placed him on the pup list. You know, it doesn't make me feel better. 
It just doesn't. The guy hasn't done anything. You know what I mean? I mean, it, listen, it's possible that, I don't know, that, that there's no positive way, there's no positive spin to put on this. You know, on one end of the spectrum, his knee is still so jacked up that he's doing minor stuff and it's it's just causing setbacks. You know, he's tweaking his knee constantly and repeatedly and it just keeps causing injuries and everything else, even though he's not doing anything as nearly as strenuous as being an NFL left tackle. On the other end of the spectrum, you could say, no, he's he's been 100%, he's been ready to go, but this was a freak thing and he caused a brand new injury. Well, that's certainly not better. So I... I don't know, man. I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, in other news, Amari Rogers says that he is down about, well, about 15 pounds. 218 down to 202. So we'll see how that does for him, getting a little bit of weight off his body. It is always funny when you hear about weight changes and they're bragging about it. Like, I put on 10 pounds or I dropped 10 pounds. Like, I mean, I'm happy. I, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to do, but presumably that's a good thing. We'll see. I'm trying to get through the minor stuff that's happening on other teams, but I can't quite seem to get there because the Packers keep having things happen. Um, the Packers have signed Dallin Leavitt? Dalen? Dallin? I don't know. Mr. Leavitt, 5'10", 203 pounds, has been playing with the Las Vegas Raiders for four years. Immediately what comes to mind here, special teams, right? I mean, our special teams coordinator is a Raider, so anytime a you know, depth safety comes along. The first thought is this guy's going to be a special teamer. But we'll start with uh, the safety ability and whatnot. In 2018, his first year, he's an undrafted free agent, by the way, out of Utah State. So maybe a buddy of Jordan Love's, I don't know. But uh, only played one snap then. 2019, up to 32 snaps. 2020, he's up to 88. And then in 2021, he played 255 snaps as a safety. So getting more and more opportunities as his career has gone on. The grades have largely stayed exactly the same. He's extremely consistent. 60, 58, 59, and 62. Um, Tackling grades are pretty bad. He really struggles in that category. But coverage, right around the 60 range. Run defense, right around the 60 range. So he's overall in the 60 range. Special teams, he does have a 62 overall grade, which is nothing super special. But uh, looking at the game-to-game, first of all, he's gotten better as the years have gone on. 2019, he had a 39 overall grade. 2020, 54. 2021, 62. So again, you could kind of see maybe where our special teams coordinator is. He knows the guy. He knows that he's growing. You know, he's been a, I don't know if a project is the right word, but he's he's a guy that's been working with him for a long time that's slowly coming along that's really starting to get a grasp for what it is that, that's expected of him but also on a game to game basis um he's one of those guys that has a lot of really good games and several really bad games and it just kind of averages out to a 62 so um you could also see where a, a, again a special teams coach would see the highs and say this guy really has it going on he's got some stuff to work out but he's been working it out right the grades keep getting better every year I'm assuming that's what this is. And he played um, 368 snaps on special teams last year. That's a lot. And he played on everything. Kick return, kick coverage, punt return, punt coverage, field goal blocking. So usually when these guys come in, it's like, yeah, probably not going to stick around. But I I really think he has a very good shot. Um, Not only is he a very experienced special teamer, but as far as depth safeties go, he's about as good as anybody else we've got. So I... I think he's got a real good shot of of making the team. So it's uh it's a pretty pretty wild day, but I'm 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 just happy because things are kind of starting to wake up a little bit, you know. 
And so I think if we can get through the next couple minutes here with no more uh, breaking news type stuff, we can go ahead and take a break right here, come back on the other side, and um, kind of take a look at a couple things. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support this podcast for just $1 per month. It would be really greatly appreciated. It would also be great if you would go over and check out the uh, Packernet Substack. It's just a website where you can uh, read some pretty in-depth articles. The amount of time I'm putting into it is really starting to uh, starting to take a toll, but I enjoy it. And it's, it's important for me, even if a lot of people aren't... Um, wanting to go check it out because it's a good way for me to kind of keep things organized and the deep dives are good kind of refreshers for me just to make sure I've got all my all my facts just kind of on point you know what I mean the podcast kind of gives me the freedom to kind of freestyle it sometimes I say things that I'm pretty sure about but I'm not positive about I can't do that over on the Substack, and then it just it just kind of keeps things tightened up a little bit but finally I'd love it if you give me a call at 608-501-0718 leave a message let me know what you're looking forward to in training camp, whatever. Favorite lullaby, I don't know. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now this from Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network that Roquan Smith will not be participating in training camp when veterans report tomorrow because of his contract situation. Smith has not yet received an offer he would remotely consider. Thus, he'll wait. That from Ian Rappaport. This uh, strikes me as a situation that could have been avoided with at least an offer that he would remotely consider or the furthering of conversation. And there we have Chicago Bears radio. That is just imploding. Cut music, please. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Producer. Good times, good times, good times had by all.
I'm just happy that I was reminded of um, laughing at the enemy because I just, I have a feeling it's going to be a good one, uh, at least for the Bears. Vikings fans, Lions fans, going to be pretty optimistic. Bears fan, I just, I don't think they can hold it together. This is supposed to be the time of optimism. I don't think it can happen. At the very least, I got I to gotta gather up as much as I can while I can. Danny Amendola retired, so there's that. Anyways, I did get a question from the Acme Packers podcast. The question is, why is Billy Turner viewed as a letdown or overrated free agent signing? My emotion says he did pretty well relative to cost and production. Are there major stat uh, stats average readers don't see? Maybe not the sack per quarterback pressure, but missed assignment blocks. Thanks. Um, I think it's fair to say that he at least exceeded my own expectations. Billy Turner was kind of a joke. Um, when we picked him up, when we went out and did our flurry of signings, the guy I was most excited about was Adrian Amos. After that was probably Preston Smith, just based on the cost. Then Zadarius, and then Billy I was not excited about at all. That was the one where it was like, this is a bad idea. Um, I think he was in Miami, and he was bad, and then he went to Denver, and he was bad. And I, I remember like Denver and Miami fans laughing, like, you guys paid this guy? That is insane. And so from that standpoint, he exceeded those expectations. I think the reason I personally have come down harder on Billy Turner, um, number one, is because the Packers are obsessed with him. They really liked him. They wanted him out there all the time. Aaron Rodgers was obsessed with him. Matt LaFleur was obsessed with him. The fans were obsessed with him. And it just got to be annoying because statistically, the guy was not great. I mean, year after year, just on a, on a raw stats number, he was always extremely high in terms of the number, a number of pressures he gave up. Always extremely high. If you look at uh, this past year, and keep in mind, Billy Turner did not play a full year. Royce Newman played 17 games. Billy Turner played 14 games. Uh, Lucas Patrick played 15. John Runyon, 17. So all three of those guys played more games than Billy Turner. Billy Turner had the most pressures given up. He had more than Royce Newman. Packer fans can't stand Royce Newman because he was did a bad job and gave up a bunch of pressures, and he did. He gave up 32 pressures. He gave up 32 in 17 games. Billy Turner gave up 34 in 14 games, and he's been this way the entire time he's been here, and he gets a massive amount of credit. So the bottom line is Billy Turner has been worse than Royce Newman, but yet gets more credit than just about anybody not named Elton Jenkins and, and David Bakhtiari, and that's crazy to me. If you go back to 2020, you know who gave up the second most pressures? It was Lucas Patrick. He gave up 21. Billy Turner, 30. And again, Billy Turner didn't play a full season. Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick played 18 games. They gave up 20 and 21 pressures. Billy Turner played 16 and gave up 30. On a per-game basis, he is in the stratosphere, especially compared to the other Packers players, because the Packers are pretty good about not giving up a lot of pressures. So it looks really bad. When you compare Billy Turner to guys like Elton Jenkins, and especially David Bakhtiari, I mean, he only played 12 games in 2020, but still, he gave up uh, nine pressures. Corey Lindsley played fifth. Corey Lindsley didn't give up jack squat. He played 15 games, gave up seven pressures. 2019 was horrific. The one year he actually played a full season is probably much worse for him because the amount of pressures he gave up is crazy. He gave up 52 pressures. Bakhtiari gave up uh, 37 that year, which is high, right? That's that's a high number. But even still, Billy Turner, 52. That's insane. So every year that he was here, he led the team in pressures given up, 2019, 20, and 21. He gave up, you know, 
the most pressures. He gave up the most hurries. He gave up the most hits. He gave up the most sacks. Um, if you look at hurries, he gave up 20. The next most was 17. If you look at hits, he gave up six hits. on. This is 2020. I forgot to change the thing. But still, he gave up six hits. Second was two. And then if you look at sacks, uh, he gave up four. Wagner and Lucas Patrick gave up three each. And again, Lucas Patrick played two more games. So, I, you know, I don't know what else to do with that. Uh, in terms of how good of a player was, he kind of depends on your expectations. Again, if you expect him to be kind of just a, a scrub player and for him to actually come in and be able to stand there and kind of do stuff, cool. But um, he, he routinely gave up pressures, and it was really, really aggravating. That right side of the line was, was just constantly letting people fly through the offensive line, and I feel like we're all watching it week after week after week after week, and ESPN puts out some BS article, some stupid stat that they have saying Billy Turner was one of the best football play, one of the best tackles in all of football, if not the best, and everyone's like, see, see, told you, told you. Like, you're, you're out of your mind. No chance. Are you not watching the guy just get blown by all, and it's always embarrassing. You know, somebody stunts to the inside and he's just standing there or whatever. It's like, what are you doing, dude? We're all watching it, but yet after the game, we all go on Twitter and people are like, Billy Turner is one of the best tackles in football. Like, what are you watching? I don't get it, dude. Um, but again, you said my emotions say he did pretty well relative to cost and production. I think that's fair. Uh, relative to cost and expectations, I guess that would be fair. I will say SIS uh, seems to like him a little bit. If you look at blown block percentage, which I think is one of the things you asked about, they also have a, a metric I've never looked at before. It's called adjusted blown block percentage. So um, there's generally how many times did you, whatever, completely whiff on a block. But adjusted is looking at your opponent specifically and how well they usually do. So it's com- comparing you, not just, it's a strength of schedule thing. It's, it's sort of against expectations kind of thing. Um they have, in order, uh, looking at the Green Bay Packers, Yash Nijman, 4.3%. He ranked 28th worst, I guess. Um, Elton Jenkins, 3.6%. Royce Newman, 2.9%. Billy Turner, 2.4%. John Runyon, one3 And Lucas Patrick, 1.1%. So um, in terms of pass blocking, completely whiffing on blocks, um, they, they don't seem to think he completely whiffed a ton. Again, I don't really know how you reconcile that with the stats, but it is what it is. Um, The other thing that I found really interesting is if you look over at run blocking, first of all, they really don't like Billy Turner and run blocking. Uh, Him and Royce, they have 2.5% as far as blown block percentage. Um, Where are we at here? Keep going. Sorry. Uh, uh, Lucas Patrick, they have 2.3. Yash Nijman, 2.1. John Runyon, 1.3. Elton Jenkins, they have him number one on this list. Him and John Feliciano, 0.1% blown block percentage when run blocking. So, you know, SIS and PFF are very different in how they measure things and how they do these kinds of things. But according to SIS, just a fun little nugget while we're here, Elton Jenkins is um, an absolute stud when it comes to run blocking. So anyways, that that's just kind of my thought on it in terms of Billy Turner. And again, it kind of depends what specifically you're asking and where you're coming from. I mean, we were able to utilize him. It wasn't like we brought him in and it was like, well, that sucks. He can't play. And so he didn't play. He did play. He was, he played tackle. He played guard. Um, he had the athleticism. I think he was a better guard than he was a tackle. I actually borderline liked him as a guard. 
But, you know, th- that number of pressures just is problematic for me. Anyways, I, I had a thought. Maybe it's stupid, but I think it could be kind of fun. We're getting to the end of offseason. Let's get all the stupid ideas out of the way. The training camp coming up, I, I kind of thought, you know, we, we've gone over all the angles, I don't know how many times now, 53-man rosters and who's going to make it and who's not and wide receivers and who's going to be there. And, you know, somebody had mentioned on Twitter, I don't remember exactly who, but it was kind of just trying to get me to calm down a little bit. Like, you know, the first week is, is basically like walkthroughs, t-shirts and nothing super crazy. And I had the thought, what could happen that would be kind of crazy or good news or kind of shaking things up a little bit? So kind of a position by position, oh dang situation. Um, wide receiver, there's there's a couple ways you can go, but it's it's also kind of you got to be a little bit realistic. One of the things that came to mind is maybe Amari kind of gets snaps over Randall as sort of the the number one slot guy. I don't think there's any way that that would happen. We're not going to start training camp by infuriating Rogers and his best friend, so that ain't going to be a thing. But I think I'll kind of play into the hands of, of uh, some of the, the fans here. You know, Christian Watson is not going to be there. I don't know when he's going to come back, but he is on PUP right now. And so that kind of leaves an open void. And we don't know exactly where Christian Watson was going to be, but what are the odds, maybe not day one, but sometime very soon this week, because that's what we're talking about, we start seeing Romeo Dobbs running with the ones. You start seeing the formation of Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs. I don't think it would be Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, because they're not going to do Alan Lazard dirty like that. But who knows? You know, with, with Christian Watson not being there, all it really takes is for Sammy to, it doesn't have to be Romeo Dobbs is so incredibly impressive. It could be Sammy's not quite where he needs to be or not in shape or whatever. And they're like, you know what? Let's see what this Romeo guy can do. Some kind of a combination of that. I don't know. But that would be sort of a, oh, dang, I guess we really got something here kind of a thing. That would be me doing a double back on when I said we need to calm down with Romeo Dobbs. I don't know if I said that on the podcast or if that was in on the Substack. I think it was a Substack when I did my roster preview. Um, I think one person in NFL history that is a fourth round pick has cracked a thousand yards as a rookie. So, not saying anyone's really projecting that, but just to give some context. But still, I'd have to kind of double back on that and say, you know what? Maybe it's time to start getting hyped at this point. Offensive line is interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, because it all has to do with how things are going to... So bottom line is, something crazy is going to happen. And I'm having a hard time trying to figure out exactly what that is. With David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Rashid Walker all out, you're looking at tackles that are clearly Yash Nijman is, is going to be one of them. What would be sort of the, oh, dang, next guy up? It would have to be a rookie, right? Because if it's Royce, it'd be like, I can see that. If it's Cole Van Lannan, I could see that. Caleb Jones also on injury list. But if they come out day one and it's Zach Tom and they're like, hey, we want to see what this guy can do. We're going to give him first crack. That'd be dope. That would get me pretty fired up because they're not going to do that if they don't think that that's a thing. Sean Ryan is also a possibility there, but I just, for some reason, he just feels, Zach Tom feels like more tackly. Although if he had to play tackle, Sean Ryan, right tackle would make sense. Um, Center is, I don't think it's going to really be anything. So at guard, See, I mean, you could say Zach Tom, Sean Ryan at right guard, but that's not really a, a really shocking thing. I think it would have to be very serious competition for John Runyon. And I don't know how much serious competition type stuff there's going to be in the first couple of days, but that would be kind of shocking to me. Let's just say training camp in general. That would be very shocking if Zach Tom and or Sean Ryan were doing such a good job that they started looking at it and saying, we might need to consider pushing for that John Runyon spot. Maybe that wouldn't surprise other people, but I think that would surprise me quite a bit. 
And at tight end, I'm, I, I just, I'll, it's just a big circle around Tyler Davis. And it shouldn't even be necessarily that surprising with Robert Tunyon on pop on pup. I think Tyler Davis is that next Robert Tunyon. But it would really just come down to what's the word about Tyler Davis? I mean, if he just happens to be that guy and the tight ends are just kind of going through their motions and he's just kind of filling in for Tunyon and occasionally, you know, he caught a pass from uh, Jordan Love a couple times. That's cool. Caught one from Aaron Rodgers four yards before getting quote unquote tackled. Like, okay, cool. But if you start seeing regular usage, you start seeing creative usage, you start seeing a heavy workload from Aaron Rodgers, you start seeing him putting the works on the linebackers, the corners, the safeties, then it becomes sort of the oh dang. Quarterback, there's not going to be any kind of crazy shakeup. I just think the, the, the real oh dang is going to be Jordan Love, right? I mean, we, we expect Rodgers to look good. Even if he doesn't look good, nobody cares. It's, it's training camp, but... And if Jordan Love is bad, then it's just kind of like, well, that sucks. But nobody's surprised. That, but the, the oh, dang, dang, it'd be Jordan Love is on fire. Running back is hard because Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor are on pup. So, you know, Tyler Goodson, B.J. Baylor taking that number three job, well, duh. And they're certainly not going to take the number one or number two. So it would have to be something in regards to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who are not going to be doing all that much. So the only thing I could think is formationally. And primarily, I'm thinking two back sets. That and or a lot of A.J. Dillon in the backfield, Aaron Jones in the slot. And again, I don't know how much of this type of stuff is going to go on early, but it doesn't matter. A lot more either either or, either and or, or and, Dillon Jones two backs and or Dillon in the backfield, Aaron Jones split out. Showing a more, we're going to pound A.J. Dillon more and use Aaron Jones more in the passing game. And I don't really think that's going to happen. But that's the whole point. The whole point of this is, I really wasn't expecting that, but oh boy, look out. On the defensive side, defensive tackle, real easy. Devontae Wyatt is running with the number ones. Whether it's Jerron Reed's spot or Dean Lowry's spot, Devontae Wyatt is the number one guy already. And again, I don't expect that day one. It'd be sweet if it was, though. On the edge, there's really nothing crazy that I would expect in terms of, you know, who's with the ones, the twos, the threes, or anything like that, because... Again, Rashawn and Preston are clearly number one and number two. And then, you know, maybe Kingsley's kind of running with the twos. He probably is, but that's not really super surprising. What would be super cool, though, is if we start to see Rashawn take on more of a Zadarius role, and you start seeing, for example, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry up front, Preston Smith off the edge, Kingsley Enigbar off the edge, and Rashawn Gary kind of roaming up the middle. Something like that. I think linebacker would be pretty much more of the same. Campbell and Walker are clear number one and number two. Barnes is probably the clear number three, and I don't really care who the number four is, whether it's McDuffie or Summers. But um, Quay Walker usage is interesting to me. Can you occasionally see him going to the edge? How often is he going to be split out in the slot? And most importantly, and again, I don't know how much you do this in training camp, how often are you going to send him on a blitz? Corner, although it would break my heart, it would be Jair in the slot. Um, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that it's going to be Stokes and Jair on the outside and Razul Douglas in the slot. That's just the way, that's how it was last time we saw these guys take the field, and I'm hoping it stays that way. It wasn't just, hey, let's try it. But that would be um, that would be a big shock if you started to see Jair more in the slot. And again, I know these guys rotate. They're going to be doing all kinds of different things. Jair will occasionally be in the slot. Razul will be occasionally be on the outside. But I'm talking primarily, what is your primary responsibility? As of right now, Razul is the slot guy. If that changes, I will be sad. And then safety, I, I don't know that there's all that much that could really happen. 
The only thing I could think is if maybe you wanted to use Darnell Savage kind of in the slot and, and utilize him as sort of a slot safety hybrid, because we don't really have, I mean, again, Jair is a slot guy, but you want him on the boundary. And I know you don't want to take Razul off the field, but, you know, maybe in certain situations. And then you'd have a guy, but but then you don't really have a safety that makes a whole lot of sense as a number three. So so the surprising factor would be who is that other safety that we like enough to be. But it just it doesn't that that would just be super unrealistic. So maybe if it would be something like Tariq Carpenter's kind of running with the twos, kind of emerging as that number three safety, that would be pretty surprising and also very exciting. Really, any rookie that kind of emerges is a good thing because we we just took a, a big step by upgrading with this player. And then special teams, it all comes down to the return guys. Um, there's not going to be much that would be super surprising about Mason Crosby because he's on pup. So Gabe Burkick, he's going to be doing all the kicking. Pat's going to be doing all the punting. The long snapper competition, I don't care. Just somebody win and be good. And so what would be sort of the surprising... I, I wouldn't honestly be surprised if it's Amari. A lot of people would, and they'd be very upset about it. I wouldn't. What would surprise me, I would have said Christian Watson, but he's also on pup. Um, it's probably Dobbs. Not even that that would surprise me, but just if it's sort of day one, he's the guy, that'd be pretty cool. So again, th- there's probably not going to be super crazy stuff happening this week. It's mostly going to be reports about here's what we're doing. Here's how that, you know, Sammy had a good day. Like, all right, cool. I'll put that in the notes. Sammy had a good day, day one. Sammy caught two passes, one of them for a touchdown. Boom. But there's also the chance. And in fact, there's, there's a very high chance that somewhere along the line, there's going to be a wait, excuse me, who's doing what now? And the question is, what's that thing going to be? In fact, that would be a great question for you. Um, if you'd like to call in, that'd be a, that'd be a good call-in question. What is the, the shock, the surprising thing we're going to see in training camp? Just a thought. Anyways, I got to get out of here because I need to record the Packernet After Dark podcast. In fact, I don't know if I have enough calls, but uh, I do need to get going on that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>